This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Well, today I'm doing something a little different, and I'm going back to Luke chapter 19. So if you would, in your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 19, and we're going to go over the parable of the minas, verses 11 through 27. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then returned. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And to you are to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him, and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. May God add his blessing on this reading of his gospel, and let's begin. Now, this passage here has an interesting parallel to an actual historical event. And the reason that Jesus did it that way was to ensure that everyone would understand the context and the severity of what he was discussing. Because Herod the Great and his son Archelaus had journeyed to Rome to receive the kingdom of Judea from Caesar. In the case of Archelaus, the people of Judea hated him and sent a delegation after him to Rome to tell Caesar that they did not want this man to rule over them. Augustus compromised by allowing Archelaus to rule, but only with the title of a tetrarch, on the premise that he would have to earn the title king, which he never did. Archelaus had built a beautiful palace for himself in Jericho, 
where Jesus was speaking at this time. And it was about a six-hour walk or 18 miles from Jerusalem. In the case of Jesus' parable, he is the nobleman who goes to a different, distant country to receive the kingdom. And he is referring to his departure into heaven after his death and resurrection, where he would sit at the Father's right hand until he made his enemies his footstool. During his time away, he entrusts to each servant a mina, which was about four months' wages, and each servant got the same amount. And one note here, this parable should not be confused with the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. There are different circumstances, and Jesus tells these stories in different locations. So it is not simply a reflection or a repetition of the same idea. What we have to see here is that the crowd that was following him was convinced that Jesus was going to go into Jerusalem and establish his heavenly kingdom and his earthly kingdom right away. And this may not be everyone's favorite comparison here, but I do remember from that musical Jesus Christ Superstar at this point in the story, the disciples were asking and, or singing to Jesus, when do we ride into Jerusalem? What they were thinking was they were getting ready to charge on the city, drive out the Romans, and set up this kingdom. But as we all know, that wasn't Jesus' intention. Now, we also have to keep note that the master gave each servant the same amount. And so what does this mean? It means for us that we all have the gospel. We all have the same thing. We all have that same treasure in our hearts that we can share with other people. And the, rep the illustration here is that those servants, two of them anyway, there were ten of them, each one got one mina, two of those servants did what they were supposed to with what they were given. What did they do? They went out and they multiplied it. How does this apply to us? We are to be about the same thing. We are to be about the business of the kingdom, multiplying the gifts because the gospel has its own power. It has its own oomph. It has its own energy. And it has its own description of God's grace from Jesus, through Jesus. It has those same ingredients, and it is powerful by itself. I've heard so many people say, if you're witnessing to an atheist, don't quote the Bible because they don't believe it anyway. And to that answer, we should all give the word piffle, or whatever word you want to use, as long as it's not profane, okay? Now... Because the gospel is powerful. The word of God is powerful. What does Isaiah tell us in Isaiah 55? It will accomplish the purpose for which it is sent and it will not return empty. So if you use the word and you use the gospel witnessing to somebody, you've done your duty, you've told them the story, you've done your witness, then back off and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Don't try to do any spiritual arm twisting. Because remember, 
We never win people to Christ by pressure or an argument. We win them because the Holy Spirit is moving in their hearts. Now, what did those servants do? Well, we read in the parable that they went and they were understanding that the money they were given was to be invested. They understood what they were to do with it, at least two of them. Now, again, we must distinguish the parable here from the parable of the talents, which teaches a different lesson. That parable shows that different servants have been given different abilities. It's interesting that the word is talent, which is very convenient in the English language because we can say, I have talent. And we're going to use that talent to multiply the kingdom. Now, the danger is for us to think that I don't have any talent. So what am I going to do? Everybody has a talent for something. As you all know, my talent is talking. And I'm really good at that. So everyone has a talent to be able to do something. No one can sit there and say, I don't have any talent. I don't have any gifts. I can't do anything. And that's total nonsense. Jesus when he created each one of us, gave us all something that we could do for the kingdom. And so everyone has the capacity to do some sort of work for the Lord and to multiply his kingdom. Let's continue. We came upon the ten servants and one, like we said, one said he made ten minus more. Another said he made five minus and then there was the one who didn't do anything. He sat back content to just give the mina back to his master. And that is a problem. It's not being obedient to what we were told to do. We were told to go out, use the gospel, and multiply it. Get out there and start witnessing and sharing. And remember... Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. Tell them the gospel. Give them the news. You read through the book of Acts and you see that all of those sermons that either Peter gave or Paul gave, there's no elaborate words in any of those. What do Peter and Paul do? They tell the story. Jesus was born. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rode again from the dead. And if we believe in him, we'll have eternal life. Simple. So we don't need to help the gospel any. We don't need to turn it around or twist it or tweak it to make it more palatable to the audience or the person to whom we're speaking. Just tell them the gospel. This guy was dressed down verbally by the master. However, he is one of the servants. We look at that parable and we tend to think that that dude got judged with the enemies that are coming up. No, he just was dressed down by the master. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, Paul writes that everyone's work will be judged and everyone will be judged based on what they did and it will be tried by fire. Some will be polished up and then some will be burned up, but they'll still be saved. The enemies are the ones who got the rough treatment here. Those are the unbelievers. Those are the people who are, if you want to use the word, heathen. They're the ones who are not saved. And it says, 
Bring them here and slaughter them before me. The word in the Greek actually means slaughter. And the meaning of that is to either slaughter, cut down, and it's possible to even interpret it as dismember. You know, and that's pretty rough, isn't it? Because Jesus had told that story and had the master kill all of those disobedient ones. And we need to keep in mind here that the graphic word was intentional because Jesus wants us to understand how awful the penalty will be for those who do not receive Christ, those who are outside the kingdom, those who rebelled and even rejected him violently, like some of the people nowadays where you see they're in these protest marches and one banner, one of them, and I saw a picture said, let Jesus come back, we'll kill him again. Well, I've got news for you. It's not going to work that way. When Jesus comes back, if you're on the other side of the fence, it's not going to be pretty, to put it mildly. So, what do we learn today? Get out there and use the gospel. Share the gospel. Witness. Drop a hint, drop a line, whatever. Find an opportunity, find that opening, and tell somebody the story. And let the Holy Spirit do the work. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.